0: Hi I'm Michaela Loach and I'm Rebecca and this is the Yikes podcast. Hey everyone and welcome back to Yikes. Um, we're so excited to be bringing you this bonus episode. Yeah um Christmas special surprise yeah to all of us including
1: ourselves we thought we were done for the year <laughs> <laughs> um but here we are
0: but also how is it christmas time already this is wild this year mm. has been a, a whole thing which we're going to talk we're going to talk a bit about like yes. a lot of different things in the episode. Um, but we also realized that we've done season one we've done season two Mm. which we hope you loved both of them um and in that time um kind of like the people listening to yikes who i don't know what to call them the listeners (laughs) the listeners (laughs) (laughs) um has grown quite a lot and the podcast has got a lot of like features and things there might be some new people who are listening and are thinking what is yikes what is the yikes podcast so we just thought we'd like introduce it a bit um this podcast was started because joe and i both do a lot of things online but we realized that social media can sometimes not kind of have that much nuance um and it can't have some open questions and sometimes doesn't have um the space for these like bigger conversations to happen so we just kind of wanted to have a space where we can show that nuance and can show the gray areas and can like talk about these things at length Mm.
1: and yeah and generally you know there's so much yikes going on in the world and i mm. um, like naming those in like a space where we have space to explore them topics and then also to like lean in and like learn together mm. and like bring other people in to share their exper- experiences and their knowledge and yeah just have an open conversation and it's just been a really wonderful project like that has yeah kept me going through this year I feel like it's been yeah yeah me
0: too yeah um it's just been so great and it's been really great to hear how people have been learning and unlearning with us um and that's another thing we'll be talking about later on this episode um so yeah thank you all for being here and if you it's your first time here um yeah thanks for being here and we are just going to say a big thank you to the fabby treedom who are sponsoring this bonus christmas episode yes uh i'm so excited i've been working With them, like
1: doing a partnership with them, like since the summer, and I knew about them like before. They're a really great company. Basically, what they do is like. They are a platform that connects small scale farmers from around the world to like their platform where like, so you buy trees basically from them and then they redistribute that money to um, to the farmers and like helping them start up their projects, which avoids them relying on like big companies to take advantage of them and like get them into stepped. So basically it's like you share your wealth, like Treedom redirects it and then like uh, sponsors trees and like startup projects. Um, with farmers, uh, small scale farmers that do traditional agroecology. Um, so everything like based on the land, uh, very traditional farming practices and, you know, trees are based on like the local, local area. So it could be like cacao or like coffee and like they treat them also then supports the farmers until they have a stable income through their crops. So it's a really great program and, uh, they're very transparent in all of their things which you can see online. And, um, that also means that like, if you buy a tree or you basically, you sponsor a tree, you can see where it ends up. And they like, they even, it's so cute. They even send you, um, a wee update, like pictures of the tree, um, how it's growing. <laughs> I'm like very geeking out
0: about it. Anyways. <laughs> that's it that's very that's so wholesome um yeah we're so grateful to them for sponsoring this episode and as an extra bonus thing for every hundred listens of this episode Treedom will be sponsoring one tree so make sure to share this episode not just because hopefully the content will be great but also <laughs> because you can help um sponsor more trees which is really really fab um and definitely make sure to check out Treedom um because they are wonderful so we're just gonna get into the episode now mm.
1: So, the Yikes podcast. We sometimes do a little Yikes of the week, Yikes of the months. Um, mm. Should we start with one? Mm-hmm. Do you want to share a big yeah. Yikes that happened this week?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so spill the tea. Um, I think my the tea. I think my Yikes of this week, which is an mm. overarching Yikes of many other experiences, and it, and I think the situation was just yes. like kind of emphatic of a bigger issue um was that basically like we very i think like, we very i very rarely like even bothered dipping my toe into any sort of like instagram related mm. possible drama because like we can't be better but um this basically jack harry's is someone who has written about like climate activism and has been involved with climate activism and who talks about the climate a lot um and he wrote a post where he was basically talking about how he'd had conversations with big corporations such as Shell and Unilever and other big corporations. And in this post, he said that he left those conversations feeling really hopeful and that the real work begins when we talk to companies like mm. this um, and their executives. And I just found this so infuriating mm. because I just feel like it it undermined a lot of the, of what, i guess like especially of what indigenous activists really want from from people from quote-unquote activists in the global north or like people doing this kind of work in the global north um and it kind of is almost like giving free promo or greenwashing to shell um or to um, unilever and i think i was also frustrated by seeing it saying it like as if it's like the real work begins when we do this stuff as if all the other yeah. work that people are doing to resist these companies. Like, Shell, we've talked about this in the podcast before, but um, Shell have literally been involved with um, the killings of indigenous activists mm. in the global South, especially in, um, if you look up the Ogoni Nine, which were nine activists um, part, who are part of the indigenous Ogoni community in Nigeria um, who were killed. Um, and that whole community has experienced so much violence um, from Shell. Um, it just, I think, especially... Like, yeah, you were saying to me when we had a chat about this, like, how Mm. on a week where Shell and like, are in court about their human rights abuses, this just all feels, like, really uncomfortable timing. And the thing is, like, I find it hard sometimes to focus on individuals because it's, like, it's a bigger... There are, like, bigger problems. Mm. Like, the problem isn't just Jack Harry's, for example. Like, it's the problem is this culture of... Um, especially like quite public-facing global north activists kind of assuming that they know what's best mm. about all of these things always, and um and kind of like dictating what 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 is the work and what's not the work mm. without having consulted the communities who are being harmed the most. Yeah. Um and how I sorry I'm like rambling quite a bit, but like how I can sometimes feel that, and this isn't just something that's just my opinion, but a lot of um Global South activists feel that a lot of these a lot of global North climate activists, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm included in this in some way, um, can cause more harm than good a lot mm. of the time by doing these kind, of, these kind of things or by being more performative or making out like what is and what isn't the work or co-signing these companies that are actually causing a lot of harm. Um, I think that's something that made me, yikes. Big time. Big time. Big
1: time, yeah. Yeah, and I, just for like a little bit of context, like this week uh friends of the earth netherlands is taking uh, shell to court uh, over like human rights abuses and for breaching the european like convention on human rights um and basically like if they win that case against shell like that would you know force shell to basically like have to like radically like downscale their greenhouse gas emissions and everything and i think it's just like Within that week, I don't understand how someone can literally say that you get hope by being on a Skype call with them. Like, I want to know what happened in this Skype call. That's what I want to know. Like, because I think that's, that was for me such a big yikes. Like, I, if, like, because in some way, obviously, we need to be challenging these corporations. Like, you know, at some point, mm. like, these mm-hmm. different cams, like, need to be talking to each other. And, but I just don't think that it's, like, this individual that has to, like, that has a Skype call with them behind, like, closed doors, doesn't give a context, doesn't give what's mm-hmm. actually being said in this call, and then just goes away feeling feeling hopeful while other people are literally, like, right now being harmed by Shell. And they are certainly not feeling hopeful, even though you might mm-hmm. have had a nice Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, you know... um so mm. I, like, if we, I mean, to me, it's just like, it's so bizarre that, like, you know, if Shell approached me and would want this, like, a Zoom call with me, like, why why do they want me as an individual? Um, and then also, like, like, you know, like, okay, I can cuss them out or I can like give them some facts. Do they actually care? Like, no. So like, why? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I wonder, like, you know, if he, if he had this platform and he would really, really care, then like, I think he should have, for example, like, it should have been an open call, like live streamed on, on YouTube or something. So everybody can mm-hmm. see the context. Everybody can get involved in the comments. He should have been the facilitator, maybe have brought like five other activists in. You know, frontline communities in you know, blah blah blah, and then and then maybe we could feel hopeful because we've actually like done a community action and you've like passed the mic, like. But yeah, so for me, that's just a big old yikes. All in all,
0: yeah, it's like we can't we can't know um, what happened in that conversation. Like we we won't know that we won't know what happened. Like, and I I think. I think that for me, a big issue with it was, was the way it's communicated. Yes, the way it was communicated as if that, like, because we don't, and and also the fact that after a couple hours of like me having commented and some other people having commented as well, <laughs> um, the post was just taken down and then never acknowledged as yes. if this has never happened. Yeah, and it's kind of like, like there, there is a big difference between canceling and accountability. And mm-hmm. I think that um, some people see them as the same thing and so they or they mistake like accountability with there was a tweet by no white Savers which was talking about how when you're used to being praised i can't remember the exact quote but like when you're used to being praised for bad behavior and for harmful behavior accountability accountability can feel like bullying and it mm. seems like bullying but it doesn't matter how nicely someone would have said it you would have still thought it was yeah. bullying because you're so used to um having praise for harmful behavior and so like within this i it's 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 frustrating that there was no response as well because say that maybe like he could be like oh hey I actually really fucked up like um I communicated that wrong yeah and I should have I should have list, done this this and this should I I I'm listening and I'm, I'm learning I'm ch- I'm gonna try and yeah. change and had and have like some public acknowledgement of like where you've gone wrong
1: yeah or, I think that can help people yeah and like or even just say you know like I felt hopeful because of this. I didn't mm-hmm. think about the bigger picture, you know, like, yeah. I mean, because your feelings might, you know, y- your feelings still came up as hopeful, then let us know mm-hmm. like why, or like, you know, let us know like how you're going to be in, like, how are you going to be using the feedback that people gave you? Um mm-hmm. But just by, you know, just by deleting, and I guess, I guess that's, you know, social media for you that like just Mm. by now deleting it seems like it's never happened and like it's not just about this individual it's you know about like like the whole I mean like that happens so so much where like we're not being accountable to ourselves and to the bigger Mm. climate movement and like you know or like whatever community really where we think that just by deleting we've done now something good and like yeah but actually it's almost like and, like, Shell can really use this now in being, like, you know, we have... We've consulted with
0: with activists, but, like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. This is, like... I think this opens up a bigger conversation, I guess. And this is something that I, like, had some people... A couple of people DM me about. And I think it would be, like, is a... Is a conversation that is to be had around... Some people were, like, yeah, but don't you need people to work from the inside? And change things from the inside. Um I think my understanding like and I'm I could be I I always am happy to be not happy I'm I'm, I'm happy to be told that I'm wrong about things Mm. by like the communities who are harmed but my understanding having like listened a lot to like what like kind of indigenous communities activism is against these industries Mm -hmm. is that for them like climate justice um is is like these industries not existing (laughs) it's not them being part of the solution it's um it's creating like a whole different world and a whole different mm. systems. And I think people might not completely understand that like Shell as a corporation or any fossil fuel industry, any fossil fuel company, they exist to make profit for their shareholders. Mm. And and that's their legally, they legally exist to make profit for their shareholders. Therefore, they're going to try and make that profit, which means that say that they're told by the government, they have to be net zero, whatever, by... 2050, they are going to try and take as much oil out of the ground until that date as possible yeah. because they want to make as much profit as possible for their shareholders. And I've been, I said, undercover makes it sound really dramatic, but I've been in like in meetings like of fossil, like public fossil fuel meetings mm. where they have talked about this and they talked about like, yeah, we need to go green. We need to, like, it's not easy being green. And then there was like a picture (laughs) of Kermit the Frog on their slides, honestly. And then and then straight after they were like, okay, but like, we need to think about how we can be most efficient at getting oil out of the ground Mm. until this day. How can we take as much as possible out of the ground until that day? And that's why, like, I don't think that these companies that exist on these, on on this like extractivist model, I don't think they should be part of the solution, like at all, because... There's going to be exploitation somewhere in their supply chain. Yeah. Whether whether it's like whether they're getting minerals for renewables or they're getting fossil fuels, there's going to be exploitation because that's literally their business model. Yeah. And so I don't see them as being part of the solution. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You
1: know, like even in the court. Like case right now like um they were talking about individual lifestyle changes um because i watched the live stream it was only in dutch so my dutch is very limited (laughs) but i i got that part and i was just like the audacity that you have as a company Mm. (laughs) um and i remember when we went um this was like two years ago almost now we went we stood outside the scottish oil club dinner and we would like talk to some of the people going inside and this this person was literally he was like um, you're wearing a raincoat, therefore you are actually the bad guy here. And I was just like, um, what is it? Like, you're so far, rem- like, and, you know, other people happily also said that they're going to continue to exploit mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. And, like, like, I kept on thinking when I read this post, you know, about, like, Shell and Hope in the same sentence. I was just like, the mm-hmm. only hope that, like, I attach to Shell is Shell not existing. Like, mm-hmm, I want okay. Shell to, you know give the money to, like, community energy groups, like, take Mm -hmm. on all the workers, like, we have a just transition, you pay your reparations, you pay off your environmental debt, like, you know, you, like, you probably, shareholders, you will go into debt by that, which is fair. Mm -hmm. And then you don't exist anymore. And that is, like, the only hope I attach to (laughs) Shell. But, yeah, so, yeah. I mean,
0: but those were, like, about client reparations and stuff. Like, in the comment that I put on his post, I asked, like, about like did you ask these questions Mm. and rather than like acknowledging any of this it was just like a full delete (laughs) and like refusal to acknowledge these things and this is what i feel like this also connects to this is connected to so many wider issues it's not just about this like one individual it's about like much wider issues but also about this issue of glorification of the individual which i feel like is really connected to this as well Mm. um which actually joe and i were going to talk about at some point in this (laughs) episode yes smooth transition Hey everyone, so we're just going to jump back in um, because we were just talking about this afterwards we realised we didn't mention it. Um, One thing on Jack Harry's post that he mentioned was about how it's important for us to break out of the echo chamber. And I just want to challenge that idea that talking to Shell executives is breaking out of the echo chamber because the kind of echo chamber, like Shell are within our echo chamber. Like Shell as an organisation have known about the climate crisis for a really long time. They've understood like, They've basically created the Echo Chamber, really. Like, co-created, obviously, but yeah. Mm, they, they've they known about this stuff for a long time. They will be watching our movements a lot and, like, le- trying to learn from, like, what we're talking about. They're aware the climate crisis, crisis exists. They're aware of the impacts of it. They're aware of their own impact. They aren't they outside have, of this, yeah. And they've paid other people off to silence the su-
1: climate, you know, science, like, They've been for decades now been involved in the climate crisis in the climate research, even in how to best extract concern like around the climate crisis, you know mm. um, so they're very much the center of the echo chamber around well climate yeah
0: change. they might not agree with like a lot of our views on the climate crisis, but they they know them, they know us. like they're not mm. out with um. They, it won't have, like, for example, when Jack Harrys talks to them, it wouldn't have been the first time they've heard about climate, the climate crisis. Whereas for me, breaking out of the echo chamber... Means talking to people and communicating with people who have never been exposed to these issues, Mm. like or understanding of these issues before. So it means like reaching communities of people who, through the media that they consume, will never hear about the climate crisis at all, or the only way they ever hear about it is as this thing that doesn't exist, as this thing that's not Mm. that serious. Um, So I really want to challenge the idea that by maybe me, maybe me through my work, not engaging with talking to Shell directly um as if that, that means I'm staying within my that means I'm that means I'm not breaking out of the echo chamber. Like that for me that's just a bit ridiculous. We just wanted to pop on and say that. <laughs> We're gonna talk about things that we've unlearned in 2020. And they, like I think unlearning is like a long mm. process. It's not something that's just like done. But something that this year I think has been a big like move for me in how I think of things is trying to stop glorifying individuals because yeah they will only let us down and if our um gosh that makes me sound like I'm gonna cry god <laughs> my, my lonely voice lonely like lonely broke st- I'm not <laughs> <laughs> the let us down no <laughs> um, no but um yeah when we I've realized a lot like how when we focus on individuals too much or we um glorify them too much or base our activism or our movements or anything too much on individual um it just means that our movements, our action, our hope, everything will be as fragile as that individual mm. is. And as that individual is a human being, they are they're as fragile as the rest of us really. And yeah. like, we can't pin all of our, our hope, our knowledge, our learnings, all these things. You can't pin that on one individual. Mm. Um, and that means that like, not only should we be looking out at like who do, who, when, and how, what. not only have I been looking out, on like, who do I glorify too much? Who do I put too much hope on or too much? Who do I think, like rely on too much to learn everything from? Mm. Who do I rely on too much to get everything right from? It's not only just like thinking about that, but it's also, I've been thinking with myself, like how often do I think I know the solutions about Mm. something or that I'm gonna get things right all the time? Or that I should be the one to say this thing in this way. Like, I think it's kind of, it's happened in in two different ways of me mm. kind of unlearning how I see other people and glorify other people, but also how I glorify myself mm. um, and my own ego.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that, like, I think that with this um, weird culture of, like, celebrity activism, mm. um, which is just very strange and like meh. <laughs> that's just how I feel about it like this has been something that I think is has been really important for me to unlearn especially existing in these spaces I think mm-hmm. um it's been really important um and to recognize like how problematic it can be like um I think I've mentioned this quote before but um and it Andrew Davis talks about in freedom is a Constant struggle." how we're kind of taught this history, like history was the, we're taught this idea that history was the work of exceptional individuals Mm -hmm. and that all change happened because of like an individual who was really great and made this change. But actually how that can actually be really um, disempowering and can prevent us from realizing our own power. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like reading about that, because I've not only read, I've also read about it in Hope in the Dark and in loads of other places. Mm -hmm. I've been reading this year a lot about like how we need to move away from individuals. And I think that that has been really important. And those ideas are really important. And for me, they've been quite, like, transformational. Um, Mm. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think so, like, for me, it goes a lot back to, like, you know, like, when we
1: advocate for community, like, are we then really practicing community, you know, in our minds, and our hearts, and our bodies, like, in the communities we're in? And for me, I guess that's Mm -hmm. a lot, even just, like, the idea, like, when we advocate for community, then we also need... The community to be like holistically doing the work because by just Mm -hmm. promoting like like you know individuals as leaders they won't whatever change Mm -hmm. they will bring about will then not suddenly be you know for the complete community and that's not necessarily from bad attention but that's also because an individual can't hold it all you know including ourselves like and so it's like for me yeah it's it's definitely also been a big lesson I guess for me in and for me, I guess I've also noticed, like, the groups that I, like, the activist groups who, like, historically that I've been, like, most inspired by, for example, like, the Zapatistas or something, like, I don't actually know an individual name, for example, in that group, mm. which I found, like, really actually interesting um, to notice, like, or even in the Black Panthers, like, incredibly inspiring same example but like I don't actually or like even the mangrove nine like for me like I I know these group names but I don't actually know Mm -hmm. the individual names and in some and like I feel like I really need to look at the individual stories and like you know to also learn about the individual people but for me the group dynamic is so interesting and um Mm. that's something I think that for me has been like Yeah, like COVID has in many ways shifted that a lot because like I was really like looking forward to this year. Like I am very comfortable with spending time by myself. Like, you know, even going to concerts Mm. by myself. Like I, I'm like (laughs) so fine. But this year I really, really wanted to practice to be more in community and like, um, you know, acknowledge the community that is around me. And, um, obviously that's been completely shifted through COVID. But I think, mm-hmm. and therefore, like, one of my also biggest lessons this year has been, like, the m- many, like, the many ways and the many, like, I guess, like, unlimited possibilities of activism, of community. Like, you know, I can define community and activism however, like, I need to in that moment. And, like, anything can be activism. Anything can be community. Mm-hmm. And, like, in and every fiber of my being also has to be in activists like in in you know I guess like in dedication for change because of my complicity in all of these systems and if I don't Mm -hmm. speak up so that was a big ramble (laughs) and I tried to connect it all but like that's like sometimes how my brain works
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think this kind of links like in a few different ways to kind of what you've been saying as well but how um the idea that even like I think of thoughts that like thoughts and ideas are like come from communities rather than Mm. individuals I think a lot more like thoughts ideas um concepts uh yeah like ways of understanding things Mm. are developed in community and through the exchange of ideas and through the exchange of knowledge and like and basically all that any of us are doing that use communication as a way of our doing our activism all we're doing is just like expressing it Mm -hmm. it's expressing something that's been that's been talked about before engaged with before but in a a different way Mm -hmm. that might that might um that might resonate with someone a bit more so like um I've been dipping in and out of like lots of different books at the moment. But um, last night, very late, when I should have been revising for my exam, <laughs> I was reading like um, your, science will protect, uh, your Science Won't protect, your science will Protect You, not Your Science Will Protect You. That'd be a different Ooh. book. Um, which is like a collection of essays by O.J. Lorde. And in it, in the um, introduction, which is done by Renee Edo-Lodge, mm-hmm. Renee Edo-Lodge talks about how in her book, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, she was told like, um, you've done something innovative and amazing and blah, blah. And she says... How all she's doing is kind of continuing on this great tradition mm. of of sharing ideas in movements and of expressing ideas and of and that that's also what Audre Lorde does like, throughout her work and that's what all of us are doing and I think from like from my perspective that's helped kind of remove this idea of individualism away mm-hmm. from from any sort of movement and move more towards community um, and I think that that is like pro- like a kind of like, maybe that'll be a helpful perspective for someone like the idea that yeah all of these ideas i know we're all just building on each other's ideas mm-hmm. and expressing them and like there shouldn't really be that much ownership we kind of talked about this in the gatekeeping episode mm. um, i don't know if i'm rambling now <laughs> i mean you know that's what this pot is for yes hello so the yikes podcast is primarily supported by our wonderful patrons um if you don't know what patreon is it's basically a platform that you can support creators to make content um because we can't be fucked with capitalism so yeah sponsored ads we do some sponsored ads but usually um most companies don't really support what we're doing (laughs) if you are a company supporting our work and you're interested shout out um yeah but in general, we want to be supported by our community because that means you yes. can talk about the things that we want to talk about. We aren't influenced in any way by anything. We just talk about the things that we think are important and a lot of these yeah. issues um, aren't really supported by many things. So that's why we're supported by you. We want to be owned by our community.
1: Yeah.
0: So if you do um, learn from
1: us, you appreciate our work um, and this podcast, then um, yeah, please uh, join our Patreon. It's the yags podcast just on patreon and uh it helps
0: yeah making this podcast sustainable and makes it actually happen and yeah and also that we put on for the second tier we put on extra bonus episodes every week so you get extra content um where we have like more relaxed chats about so many different things We've talked about migrant rights a lot on there. We've talked about more about the media. We've talked about so many different things. things, Personal things. Um, It's a really great space as well. We sometimes do Q&As. We share essays on there. Um, You just get more content from us. And mainly you can support our work if you've learned anything from us. Um, So thank you to all the people who are already supporting us. And yeah, Yeah. thank you for making this happen. And yeah, please check out the Patreon link in the show notes. And we hope you're enjoying this episode. Um, Yeah, thanks. So 2020 seems to have been um, a great unlearning for so many people. Um, I think in so many ways, a lot of people have been confronted with truths that Mm -hmm. they had maybe actively ignored for a long time. Um, A lot of people have been given more space to really like dissect their brains. I know that I have. Mm. um, And I know that a lot of people in my life have. um, And I think that, that has been really valuable mm,
1: yeah i I guess for so many different reasons, like we've been really challenged in a lot of the mm. like ideologies or like thoughts that we took so for granted before, and I guess like you know one example is like a lot of a lot of fellow white people, including myself, like yeah, like learning we are racist and like we're living in a racist system, and like seems like so much through that has. Yeah, I've, I don't know where I read it, but like someone was saying, you know, like how like for many of us staying at home and then the like the Black Power global uprising that's been mm. been happening um, and like the two together kind and like, you know, the connections through social media, all of that kind of led to this like you, you literally cannot not see these things happening and mm-hmm. you're so confronted with it that like if you really don't know what's going on right now, then like. Like, you must be living under a rock. And, and like that, like in that sense, like for so many people, like they're, you know, like not just, I guess like not just realizing we live in a racist system, but like, you know, we are racist by living in that and like our complicity in that. And, um, and you know, and also, I guess like other ideologies of like classism, I feel like was like we learned a lot around. You know, like, Mm -hmm. who are the key front workers and how do these things intersect Mm -hmm. around, you know, who, yeah, literally who are the front workers um, Mm -hmm. around race, around gender, around class, Mm -hmm. um, and what are the privileges of even just staying home. And I I guess I wonder now how we are taking those lessons, which are definitely, we're not stopping there and there will Mm -hmm. always be an unlearning. I feel like I've never... I don't know. I I guess like for me, like someone said that to me the other day. And it's like it's the first generation where we can learn so much and can actively raise our voices. Um, mm-hmm. even if it's just in an in like, you know, anonymous sense, like online. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously brings also a lot of hatred and all of that, but it also brings a lot of possibilities to extend mm-hmm. your visions to someone who doesn't have those experiences, and from that we can mm-hmm. actually learn around like empathy and, um, compassion and anti, you know, anti-oppression values, um, which has Mm -hmm. been very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just been so important in so many ways, but what I don't want to see happen is, yeah, is the, is this unlearning and learning to stop here Mm. or to be limited to social media? I think social media is an amazing platform for change. Obviously, I think that like I I use it as a platform for change in so many ways. Um, And I think that we do have a lot of power in using it to reach people um, who might never hear about this stuff normally Mm. um, and to also reach people who might hear about this stuff, but um, like don't engage with it Mm -hmm. that much. There's so much power, but I want to see us go further than that. (laughs) I want us to like, to take this work offline where we can as mm-hmm. well. I want us to not um, just leave it as us being individuals who are doing this unlearning. Mm-hmm. I want us to move into like community learning, community action, community like change because that's where yeah. we'll create real change. Um, yeah, I think there's been unlearning and learning and education is so important. But I do, I think one of my worries um with a lot of stuff that's been happening is how a lot of it can be quite surface level. Mm. Um, so I've just heard stories of bookshops who weren't doing deliveries during like the height of the pandemic. And they had loads of people order all these anti-racism books to their bookstores mm. um, for collection when the when the lockdown would be released. Mm. Like released, stopped, whatever. Um, and loads of these shops saying that no one came to pick up the books. Yikes. Oh, <laughs> so, gosh. Yeah, because they probably felt like they'd read enough infographics online, I guess, to like, but that, but (laughs) like a 10 step infographic is not going to be a deep unlearning for you. Mm -hmm. It might be a good place to start, but what I want to see everyone doing in 2021 is kind of taking that step beyond. I know Mm -hmm. that, um, Books might not be accessible to everyone in so many different ways, but you could try like audiobooks or you could try like I don't know. It dep- there's so I feel like there are so many different yeah. expressions that already exist about these issues that people can dive into. There's anti-racism courses. Yeah, there's so there's so many different things, and I feel like what and but even like I would say I've learned may, may, not so much about anti-racism but about anti-oppression in other ways. I've learned the most from just being. In a community of people who are resisting mm-hmm. um, and learning from those people. Um, not like demanding their labor, but more just like being in that space. I feel like you mm. do just learn from people who've do- been doing this work a lot longer than you. And so I think that the best way that we can try and decolonize our minds fully and try and unlearn fully means engaging beyond just social media mm. and also turning that education that understanding that information into action that causes change because being informed being educated is just the beginning Mm. um it's the easiest part really yeah yeah it's I mean it's so important
1: yeah yeah yeah. but it isn't the end yeah and it's you know it's also like you can hold you can hold certain knowledge and Mm. you acknowledge certain things but if you don't actually actively do anything about it then like you're still upholding the system and Mm -hmm. I guess it's also like at a certain point like how much knowledge do you really need to then start acting and obviously that doesn't Mm. mean like we stop ever unlearning but it's like you know okay now you now we know certain for example something about like power hoarding or something so then are you Mm. taking the actions to you know for example reallocate some of your power or like leverage your um actions that you can take and I was talking mm-hmm. to a friend recently and she, um, she noticed like when she was in Australia, um, like pre pandemic, basically how many people there acknowledge the stolen land that they're in or on mm-hmm. rather. Um, but no one is like willing to give up land. So it's like, it's almost like, mm-hmm. you know, that makes me like wonder of like, okay, how much of that is almost like woke washing and is possibly mm-hmm. even more harmful than, you know, by like, because now we've taken that like smallest action. We are acknowledging that we are in stolen land, but we're not actually doing anything. And like, that is not shifting towards justice in any way. Um mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, like when we, as we continue to unlearn, I guess it's really important now that we are like doing the things that we are being called to do by the groups mm-hmm. that, you know, are being oppressed and that are like calling us. And, you know, all of the things are, are out there. It's not like we're waiting for the magic to appear mm-hmm. and then know what we're doing. It's actually out, all out there for decades, for centuries,
0: you know, it's been <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I think one thing that people probably think, maybe this is me assuming people probably think this, but especially, this kind of links to things we were talking about mm. before, about this kind of idea of lots of very public-facing, like, quote-unquote celebrity activists or whatever. I think that gives this wrong idea that that is the the limit of the work mm. is like public facing stuff or communicating things. But like communicators are just like one type of activist or yeah. resistor or whatever you want to call it. Um, there are so many different roles and everyone has a part to play, mm. like depending on what your skills are. You don't have to be creative. Like I think a lot of people just see these creative kind of or communicative activists online, but like you you whatever skills you have they will be useful in in some way Mm -hmm. like i promise you that you will have something that you can offer the movement um and i think it's just like removing this idea that you have to be this exceptional individual and just like or that you have to know everything Mm. or that you have to be like fully for like fully finished in your work when actually the reality is that all of us are going to be unlearning and changing Mm. and if we wait until we think we're ready, like we'll be wasting time. Um yeah. because the reality is, is there'll be so many things that I don't even know are a problem <laughs> that I will be perpetuating, I'm sure. Um, but all I can do is continue to work and continue to assess myself mm-hmm. constantly and my action and my behaviours and listen to people from groups that I'm not a part of, as in that I don't hold those marginalized identities and try and change. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that we we just can't we can't wait. I don't know we can't we we can't wait until we've unlearned everything, everything yeah. to start doing any work because that's just never going to happen. Um so I'm not actually sure how connected this is. Um but <laughs> in an article I read, I think it was a New York Times article that was like a bio bi- biography of Angela Davis. One thing that she was talking about was how she's almost grateful that that they didn't get the revolution that they were fighting for back in the 60s, like in the height of like her activism Mm. work, I guess. I don't know if that would even be the height because she says that um, the feminist movements that she was a part of weren't um, trans-inclusive or even aware of like trans issues enough Mm. and that the revolution that they were trying to fight for wouldn't have been a fully inclusive revolution. And so basically if I, I, that, I think hearing that, one, like humbled me a lot to think about what things will I not be mm-hmm. even recognizing enough, or, or where am I not listening enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and where are the gaps in a world, in the kind of future that I might be like envisioning. Um, and two, like kind of like made me realise how we're not never gonna be doing the work perfectly, but mm-hmm. we need to do it anyway, whilst constantly challenging ourselves, constantly challenging our ideas of justice. Mm. Um and so I just think that's something that's like, I I've kind of found it quite encouraging, maybe because I was like, oh, like I saw her as like one of the most more, most radical feminists of those of that time. Mm. So I'm like, if so, I was like, if she, if if one of the most radical feminists of that time was still like making mistakes and still had like huge gaps, um, mm. in understanding, then like. All of us will. <laughs> mm-hmm. And therefore, we can't have that stop us, basically. I don't know if that was that connected, but it's something yeah, that yeah. I've
1: just been thinking about. I think that that was definitely also a big learning lesson for me this year, like where, like obviously I've like talked lots about like futurism on this pop before, but um like I really dove into that topic a lot lot deeper than I had before and something like so big that I learned particularly from um indigenous writers and activists was things about time and Mm -hmm. like how like we can't just think of like a single future but Mm -hmm. it's there's always there's always multiple realities and there's always multiple futures like my reality like Mm -hmm. you know the the way that I live is not the same or not the same truth for another person even even my best friend you know like our even our realities are like different obviously and um and like that in some way like made me feel so so excited for the futures because it actually like you know it's not me who knows what the future will out like play out like. And it's not, it's no one knows. And they're like all of these pathways, but it's like, it requires like our action. And so, it and also I guess liberated me in some way of like the, the future that, or the futures that I envision today will be different to what I imagine tomorrow. And like that just mm. like encourages me to constantly be learning. Cause it.
0: Yeah. How beautiful it is It's so
1: beautiful. And you know and uh, for me it also like it's kind of like that self-accountability that like well I thought you know even a month ago like look how outdated and like look how beautiful that like I changed but also I fought against the person that I could have become like that was something Mm. that like I really thought about like you know it's like I know that like I'm you know problem like you know obviously I have still so much to learn and like that will always Mm. be there but also like you know we can acknowledge for ourselves that like you know, thank God I didn't become that person. Like, mm. I mean, okay, I'm that person like, right I'm now. Just, I'm like, I'm being,
0: <laughs> yeah. but but be proud of yeah, being proud of yourself. Of like, look where I've I've come, and look yeah. how much space there is for me to grow. That's another thing is is thinking about futures. It excites me so much that what I can personally envision now is like the best, most liberated future ever. Isn't even as good as it can get. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It can get yeah. even better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how like how wonderful and beautiful mm. and exciting is that? Um. I think that's why it's important for us to like, to not settle because Mm. even our best won't be as good as it can get. So why would we even, why would we settle for any less than that? Like we need to keep pressing and pushing further and we need to keep turning these concepts that we are talking about and discussing and like Mm. picking apart into action and into like some sort of physical stuff, like some tangible Mm -hmm. real world stuff. Um, And I think that is, Yeah that's just so important like I just I just want to see more people in 2021 I want it to be the year of like significant change because Mm -hmm. we've spent a year of people unpacking unlearning and beginning that journey Mm -hmm. and I want to see all of those people show up um in 2021 and I'm excited to see them to show up like and I'm hopeful in that way. And we can start that right now.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't need to wait till the first of Jan. <laughs> um, you know, like I mean, depending on your plans for the holidays. Um, not encouraging any specific behavior here, but mm-hmm. like you will be talking, whether that's like, you know, in a room or virtually, to other people, mm-hmm. probably. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like talking about topics that might be like get your heartbeat a bit faster, you know? <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um yeah. you know, this is really important and um we need to be having those conversations and mm. there is, you know, there is the uh, this stereotype about you're like everyone has that racist uncle
0: that mm. no one is challenging. Well, guess what, guys? We're challenging it this year. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> because are. as Audrey Lord said, um your science will not protect you. There you are. Um, like that in I think in one of her poems as well, um, she says, um, oh, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's basically like when we're silent, like we're afraid, um when we speak, we're afraid that our words won't be heard or listened to. But when we are silent, we are still afraid, mm. so it's best to speak. Um and that's something that I've been trying to take on board. It's something that I'm still working on. Mm. Cause I'm sure there are so many situations in which I still like choose not to say anything. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah your science won't protect you. it won't protect other people as well no. um if you haven't yeah.
1: listened to the episode that we've done on relationships, um maybe that's a good place to go because we do dive deeper into like you know when especially as like holding certain um like marginalization identities like you know there there are like measures to protect yourselves, but we mean yeah. now more in like a way of like you know if someone is making like you know do you talk to your families Do you talk to your friends about you know even things that you've unlearned and like that's maybe a good segue into like oh I learned you know things about this Mm -hmm. like have you thought about that this year and then like I guess something that um you know just to think about is like in those conversations it is not about yourself and that maybe Mm -hmm. like you know how you were saying earlier about like glorifying ourselves like it's not those conversations are not to show how woke we are it is about Mm -hmm. actually as hard as it is centering the other person in the way that like meeting them where they are and they're also on Mm. learning journey or possibly like you know having not started that and you seeing that and even though you might have more knowledge it is that uncomfortable step in centering them because that's Mm -hmm. how we best engage in their values and that's where Mm. we can meet and that's then also how we can challenge them Mm. and give them you know give them actions or like maybe also you know give some anti-racist books for christmas some climate change but you know there's so much or like um something that you know if you know for example this one person like they've never heard about fat phobia like why don't you give like a book about Mm. this topic and you know it's like these like Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to come from a place of like hierarchy and like I know everything. Watch me. No, it's about, you know, you can do something together or um yeah.
0: Yeah, I think also I just want to quickly say on like what I said about <laughs> about speaking. If you like around that issue, if you want to I would really recommend what Joe said listening to that relationships episode because yeah, there is nuance mm-hmm. and yes. it's not as clear-cut as that.
1: But generally when you hold when you hold privilege, then your you know, your silence hurts others like
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. But there is nuance there and we go we go into that in depth on the other episode. Um, but what you were saying about like um, meeting people where they're at, um, something that I remember who said it or where I saw it and it was many, many, many years ago. I remember seeing someone said like, don't cancel other people for behaviours you've just unlearned yourself. Yes. And that's something that I always like try and keep in my mind. It's like, we can't, yeah, we can't have this as like the woke Olympics mm. or like I have unlearned this and therefore I get to bash you on the head with it. Like, we need to allow people space to not know everything Mm -hmm. and to get things wrong. Um, Like we need to allow that space as well. We can't expect that everyone's just at the same space we are. Um, So yeah, I think like one thing I always think about is like trying to, try not to be patronizing Mm -hmm. to people. Like try and think, try and remember where you were at before you knew about this stuff. Try and like engage them with something that they care about already. Mm -hmm. So then you can like, get them to care about these things, try not to use too many big, um, long, activisty words yes. that might mean that people don't understand what earth you're or talking about. Or that they're about. turned like, away from that, you know? Some people just yeah. have, they care, they have the same
1: values, but they just don't like that word because it brings up certain things. Maybe just don't use that yeah. word then,
0: like... Yeah, exactly. I think that we need to be more um malleable, like, mm. and to to what other people's understanding is, because, I don't know, say you're... You, say you have a whole conversation with someone about equality and workers' rights and blah, blah, blah. And they really connect to the idea that um, individuals should be like fairly compensated for their labor and shouldn't be abused in the workplace Mm. and blah, 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 blah. But then you throw in like the word socialism or something and then they're like, Mm no, like they're like, I no longer care. It's (laughs) like, you need to, (laughs) you need to like try and think about how you're communicating these things, whether some words will just like, turn people off immediately um yeah I think like yeah realizing your audience is always really Mm. important um I think something that I sometimes in that context struggle with is like
1: how palatable does it need to be for you to engage with but I I think that's something that I need to you know figure out for myself Mm -hmm. because it isn't about like how how I am perceived in that moment it is about Mm -hmm. our connection there and um, mm-hmm. And I would, I guess, also say you know there there are things to get a conversation started, and then we mm-hmm. radicalize. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I guess we just hope that like that is kind of you know, like having those conversation starters. It won't mm-hmm. all be easy in the first conversation like Mm -hmm. you know more likely like it's going to be years of having those conversations it's gonna Mm -hmm. like our unlearning for me I know will never stop I doubt for anyone Mm -hmm. else really it will stop collectively as well you know like I think that's something that like I'm really looking forward to the next year um it's like the this like unlearning and the like the deconstructing of certain values will require us to form new values and Mm that i really really want to be done in community rather than you know Mm -hmm. now idolizing ourselves on the values that we are like newly learning how can we
0: then Mm -hmm. practice that in community um Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm like excited about 2021 i don't know why yeah (laughs) i don't know i'm i i think i i go i like go in and out of being hopeful or just being like but but i feel most hopeful when i see action happening yeah or like when i'm acting like
1: you know even this I call re- I actually, i'm like yeah. i sounded a lot more hopeful than i was to stay i cried about the state of this government this morning so
0: yeah i mean, <laughs> I, mean I realized one thing that i realized about the reason i think the reason that we sound more hopeful and are more hopeful when we're doing this podcast this is my theory okay. is that because when we're doing this podcast we're acting yeah and i think that hope is action like hope is mm. it's a verb it's it's something that you do it's not something it's not it's not a, it's not a yeah. state of being it's something that yes. you do and at least i feel like when we're having these conversations and sharing these conversations and these ideas like we're acting and mm-hmm. therefore we can become hope in some way yeah um. <laughs> i love that yeah like, and people yeah. listening so clearly something at least resonates yeah you know, and, yeah yeah so i just think that like yeah i think hope if if anyone listening to this is looking for hope like start acting yes. and you'll find some um hopefully in the midst of all of that um Definitely. and on that we could like leave this here and i just want to say have the absolute happiest christmases you can i hope that whatever situation you're in that um whether it's virtually or in person you're being supported mm-hmm. and that everyone stays safe as well um yeah, um like blessings to everyone. Yeah. Um and I hope the season is as good as it can be yes. and yeah. And
1: yeah, thank you for I mean, yeah, I guess like following us through the year almost. Like we mm. started this in February, so it's almost been a year. Uh very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, just um yeah, happy I guess like happy season to you. Uh a good start to the new year. Um and you know, if you're looking for a last minute holiday gift than gifting a tree or sponsoring a tree which is then given to a small-scale farmer it's a really cute thing i gave one to my Mm. mom for uh, for her birthday in summer and she loved it um so yeah so that's a nice thing other than that you know um have a just wonderful wonderful time with the people you love
0: Thank you so much, Trudem, for sponsoring this episode. Um, We are so grateful. We're so grateful to everyone for your support of this podcast and this space. Um, Yeah, just wishing you a wonderful end to 2020. So, this podcast episode, all the sound and the wonderful editing was done by the wonderful Finley Mowett. um It was hosted and produced by myself, Michaela Loach, and Josephine Becker. And you can find both of us on Instagram at Michaela Loach or at Trees and Peace um we also just want to say a final 2020 thank you to our amazing patrons who make all of our work possible support us here um and the patreon link is in the show notes if anyone else wants to join um we're so grateful to you all hope you're having best end of the year um and yeah thank you so much for supporting our work